Hello, and welcome to Carefully Taught, teaching musical theater with Maddie and Kikau. A podcast to discuss musical theater education and create a community of sharing amongst musical theater educators. And today we have a musical theater legend. I mean, we got like, we've got, this is this is top shelf stuff right here. We're rolling out the, the big dogs. Um, uh, yes, he is the current head of musical theater at Webster, where he's been for a little while, but he's also taught at Shenandoah. He basically helped start the uh, Cal State Fullerton program. Oh, and by the way, he also has a Tony nomination. Uh, none other, Our guest today is none other than Lara Teeter. Lara, welcome to Carefully Taught, teaching musical theater with Maddie and Kikau. Thank you guys so much. Uh, <laughs> I'm a little beclent, uh, <laughs> that little introduction. I'm just so happy to be here to have a conversation. And the key word that you mentioned in the introduction is about sharing. And of course, we all sort of know each other through the Musical Theater Educators Alliance. And that, for those of you who don't know what that is, it's an organization that was started many years ago by very dear friends of ours. And um, who have then over the years, the three of us have watched it grow and grow and grow. And it was basically what we're doing right now, which is three gentlemen, which was Carrie Lipkin from Penn State, Charlie Gilbert from University of the Arts, which is where you're at now, Ikao, and then Joe Deere, who just is about to retire from Wright State. They met for coffee because they had all been to the graduate program of uh, for directing at Carnegie, and they kind of were gathering information about musical theater specifically. Because at that time, not many musical theater programs were happening. And they started talking. They said, you know what? This feels like a symposium. So let's invite other schools. So the next time they met, I think it was like eight or 10 people the next year. And then it became a thing. And now I think, right, guys, there's over 300 some odd schools represented at the at the MTEA. So it's really lovely to be kind of feeling like it's the genesis of sharing information about this thing that we love to do. Absolutely. Oh, Kikau. Um, yeah. So the uh, I, I really want to talk to you, Lair. I don't know if I've ever told you this um, in all of our interactions, but I, when I was 19 or 20, I did my first trip to New York City and I saw the Wizard of Oz at Madison Square Garden. And uh, the, the Scarecrow in that production was none other than Mr. Lara Teeter, who I remember reading in the bio was, was you had already begun your teaching, right? You were uh, teaching at Long Beach or someplace. In, uh, and so- Alfred Fullerton, which is where was we- it, Was it Fullerton? Yeah. yeah. And I remember that it really- stuck with me um, because I was a, a young person in musical theater who I knew I wanted to perform, but then I also knew that teaching and directing was in like the, 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 the future. Um, and so like, uh, that was my introduction to you. I didn't know you before then. We didn't even meet. Um, but uh, I remember reading that bio and it really, it made an impact on me. And I'm, I'm curious if you could talk about, I mean, you have a Tony nomination. You performed in several Broadway shows. I'm really curious about the moment or the, the series of moments as you transitioned to being primarily a teacher, you still perform, but 
you know, like teaching is the the bulk of of your work life now, whereas mm -hmm. uh, it used to be that performing was. Yeah. When did you make that transition, and and why? What drew you to teaching? Oh man, thank you so much for this question because it it really uh, I love. Uh, I don't talk about it really at all or that often, but I love this question because it reminds me of who I am and where I come from. So I had this great successful career in New York. And if you guys look at the mid eighties in New York, Broadway was really at a low, but Cameron McIntosh owned Broadway. So Cats, Miss Saigon, Phantom of the Opera, Les Mis, I mean, that, that was what was on Broadway once my one and only and on your toes, which I did close Tommy tune uh, on your toes closed. And then Tommy tune closed my one and only. So the song and dance thing just wasn't happening. So um, a couple of years later, 1986, On Your Toes had a big kind of resurgence for the L.A. and for San Francisco. So I did those two at the Amundsen and the Fox, and, and I did that. And I was like, well, this is great because I put my groceries in the back of my trunk. And, you know, there's nothing for me in New York. So let me see. And I kind of became the king of summer stock out there. And then I got asked to direct and um, and then suddenly um, my resume went across the desk of Cal State Fullerton and they had just lost their musical theater dance instructor to AIDS, like just very quickly. We were, you know, this this was part of our lives, right? Gentlemen, this is something we, uh, I in particular lived through because I did a lot of those, uh, I have stories and stories and stories to tell about the benefits that we did when all that broke. I was in New York City working on Broadway when all that broke. And uh, so, so uh, I should say that, okay, so I took the job and I kind of managed going back and forth. I did a thing at New York City Opera and I kind of was, they were allowing me to leave, but I did that thing where I just got, I got that thing where it's like, I'm gonna become a full professor in seven years. And I jumped through all the hoops. For those of you who are listening who want to teach, working at a state school is very, very different than working at where I work at now, for instance, private school. Because you just have to go by the numbers and you have to fill, you have to just fill all these boxes. So I was on every committee. I volunteered for everything. And at the end of seven years, my first sabbatical was coming up. And uh, uh, my, uh, um, oh, I should back up, by the way, I signed the contract to teach at Cal State Fullerton. And I got a phone call from a friend of mine who was putting together a new show for New York. And Julie Hughes and Barry Moss had reached out to me and I read it and I thought, this feels very similar to something I've seen before. And I kind of went and they said, well, we really want you to audition. And I said, you know, I think I'm I'm a teacher now. You know, I'm I'm I've committed to this teaching thing. And then a year later, I was watching um, Crazy for You uh, uh, <laughs> on the Tonys. But that's just one of those things. It's like, do you regret it? No, because I mean, I met my wife at Cal State Fullerton, you know, and I have four incredible children. Right. But that was just a very defining moment for me. The day after I signed that contract, it's like, this is what I, I want to do. So um, anyway, I was on sabbatical and uh, Madison Square Garden um, contacted me and said, we're doing Wizard of Oz and we want you to play the Scarecrow. And it was just like, oh, man, I'm, I'm going to go back. So I went in my dean and I told him that I was not going to be coming back after my sabbatical. 
that was an interesting conversation because he basically said, you know, you're getting up there, you know, you might want to consider. And I, that was the wrong thing to say to me. <laughs> so all due respect, I, I left teaching and I did that show in New York and then we toured. And then, you know, this thing happened where I came back to New York and I was like, I'm back. Crickets, right? <laughs> and, you know, and I missed teaching. So I did a couple of little things and new projects and some things. But then that's when I went to Chicago and I was the artistic director of a light opera works company. And then Dominic Massimi, who was at Northwestern said, Hey, you're in town. Do you want to teach for us? So I had a great income because I had two full-time jobs. Our twins were born. I was always in a state of abandonment because it was either my family or teaching or this company. And after five years, we were like, we got to get out. And we went to Shenandoah. And then we ended up coming here very short after to raise most of our family here. So that's the long and short story of it. Uh, yeah. So great. You know, you talked a little bit about the the history of MTEA and 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 you just now spoke about your the ins and outs of teaching and not teaching. And I'm wondering, you know, with some perspective, um, what what are the the big changes you've seen? in education or or even in in the students that you've uh, encountered from when you first started to now um kind of a big question but i'm just wondering what what are the shifts or what are the changes that you've seen in your time well it's the question that all three of us have had to answer um you know the tragic death of george floyd and the the rise of the black lives matter movement uh, when that happened, we came back to the conservatory at that time, and the AOCC, the Actor uh, Actors of Color Coalition, both our alums, Webster alums, and the current students, uh, Actors of Color, had written a petition to the conservatory. And it was really beautiful because the dean and the chair both within 24 hours responded with, thank you. This is something we need to hear. This is something we need to change. This is something we need to look at. And what I, I enjoy talking about two things when I'm talking to students about, about Webster, about just this, this idea of training is uh, wellness. As we all know, wellness is a big uh, concern as it should be just for all the digital impact that we've seen do destructive things to our kids, to our communities. Uh, and then also the anti-racist theater movement. So that was a huge change. And I'm not going to lie. It was, I call it the best and worst year of my life. Um, here I had devoted my entire life to this uh, wonderful uh, art form. And I realized that I had played every Billy, Tommy, Jimmy, Bob, Frank, because it was very obvious that musical theater had been written for me. So when the students were coming to us with concerns, it really resonated with me. And I, the best and worst, the, the worst part of it was, was being looked at and told that I didn't know what I was talking about. It, it's not that that was necessarily the intention, but, but, it, but in one way it was like, we have a voice now, we need to be heard, we wanna do this material, we want to do the material that we want to do. And um, so that was a difficult time for the students and the teachers. And then the pandemic and all of it, right? And it was the best because I had to really dig 
and and find why I wanted to teach what were the real basic base values that I take musical theater out of it. What were the real basic components of being a teacher, which is very related to being a parent. And you, the three of us also know that during that time, many of our colleagues left and many of our, some of our colleagues were fired because they had maybe misspoke or all of that. So actually my wife was very concerned. I was not, but she was very concerned about my job. So, uh, then last, uh, see, a year ago, so that would be the fall of 2022, um, we came back and we had we had chosen American Idiot because that show really wants to say F you to the institution that is telling me who to be, how to be, and what to be. I want to tell you both that if I never direct another show in my life, I'm fine because the investment of the students design-wise the, the passion that we all, I didn't realize how much I was connected to punk, how much that influence of all those artists. So I had to do a deep dive into research. I love rock and roll, but I didn't realize how connected I was to that kind of, on the outside, I'm this all American kid from Oklahoma, but on the inside, there was a part of me that really understood wanting to push back um, and say, you don't really know me. So that happened in the fall of 22, and it's like the sunshine came out. Everybody came back to the conservatory going, we want to train now. We want to teach now. And and it was back to an even better normal. So that's that's the story, and I'm sticking to it. Well, I'm sure of, each of you have your own story about that, too. Oh, yeah. Well, absolutely. What What kind of stuff changed for you? Like, what were the takeaways from that difficult period? Um, I'm, I'm curious if there were, like, you, you look at the way that you approach things or even the curriculum itself and say, well, this is these are the concrete things that kind of came out of that that difficult and rewarding year. You know, there's a great, um, very topical, there's a great video that my wife shared with me the other day. And I can't remember the lady's name. I don't remember the book, but it was with Oprah. It was a current thing with Oprah. It was about parenting. And. Oprah started off by saying, now you have a lot of people up in arms because you talk about it's important to be an uh, irrelevant parent. And this lady went on, very well-spoken lady went on to say that, yes, they have my heart, they have everything for me, but I want to become irrelevant. So I, they have, I have raised a child that can do the things that they need to do in their life. And I feel like that I'm reminded of that because I started having more conversations with my students, like what kind of roles or what kind of material do you want to do and why? And um, so there were a lot more one-on-one -on -one conversations with students about and constantly checking in, like, um, do you feel safe? You know, and starting every class or starting the beginning of a semester saying, if I ever make any of you not feel safe, if I ever say anything that is the wrong pronoun or this, please, I I invite you all to call me out on it because I want to get better and I have to get better in order to teach uh, the way I want to teach. 
So I was really, I felt like the the big thing that changed for me, Maddie, was that I, um, I really began to go deeper on the listening. I really think I began to become more of a listener uh, than a, you know, these are young people. I need to show them where to go and what to do. And it became, and, and I'll say this about our anti-racist ethos at Webster, it's a, it's a daily conversation, right? It, it never just, oh, that's a quick fix. So the daily conversations throughout the semester started happening on a regular basis. And that's what I realized is one of my core values is just the conversation about a song, a show. I've been listening to Kimberly Akimbo uh, uh, all this whole break, I'm so obsessed with David Lindsay Aver to begin with, but you know the ins and outs and intricacies of of that text and that show fascinate me. You know, so those kinds of conversation, whether it's a student doing something from Jagged Little Pill or if a student is doing something from A Strange Loop, um, you know, or Gypsy, you know, um, it's for me, it's like the student is there or in this case, the two of you are there and I'm sitting here and it's the, we're talking about the thing that sits between us, which is the work. So it's really not about me. It's not about the two of you. It's about this conversation about the work that the student is doing on a daily basis. Amazing. Um, you know, the last time we saw each other was uh, with College Audition Pros, True Unifieds in Los Angeles. Uh, so great. And so great, so fun. Um, and, you know, we're in that recruitment season, that that time when we're inviting folks to come and join us. Yeah. And I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about what what Webster is and, and how um, how unique it is to other programs, just to have an opportunity to, to open that up. Yeah, uh, um, it, it's a that's a great question. Again, thank you so much for for inviting me. And I, I, I feel I have to say this right now. I feel like I want to know your answer to these questions too, but I know I'm the person, but I, I'm curious to, to know your experiences too. Um, so I just received an email yesterday from someone who is at that conference there in California. And they uh, actually, I'm sorry, no, I had just gone to MTCA in, in New York. But I think I had met this person there first at at the Drunifieds, and they sent this lovely email that just st st talked about. I really felt my authentic self in the room. I, I I felt that you know you allowed me, you invited me to the table first, and you talked with me. You asked me questions. We actually talked about other things other than you know, musical theater. And by the time I got up to do the pieces and the adjustments you gave, you made me feel very uh, at ease and authentic. So that's something that at Webster, uh, and I'm sure you two gentlemen do the very same thing. I have no doubt about it. But that's the one thing that all of us encounter. The kids come in, their breath is really high because they're nervous. Why shouldn't they be? And, you know, to, to let them know that they're, that we're human too. And, <laughs> um, so I think that if I talk about Webster, there's four things I'll talk about. And it's it's the thing that I say, you have many different options, but these are the four top reasons you consider Webster. Number one, it is an acting degree with a huge emphasis in musical theater. What I mean by that is the eight semester sequence 
of acting, voice and speech, and movement for the actor. And each one of those eight semesters has different series. I'll just take movement, for instance. It's like Pilates, stage combat, yoga, um, you know, uh, Comedia dell'arte, neutral mask, clown. You know, they they live in a sequence. You, The musical theater major takes those eight semesters lockstep with the acting majors. When students come to visit and they go inside a classroom, they will not be able to tell who the acting majors or the musical theater majors are until they in get introduced to them. Uh, unless they come to the musical theater part of conservatory. And even then we have a song study class for the acting majors. Um, so that's the number one reason that I think the students, if you talk to the students, and by the way, for those of you who are listening, I hope you know this, but I'll say it again. I can't say it enough. Talk to us. Yes, we love the places we teach. We love what we have to offer, but you get the real juice from the students themselves. Talk to them. Um, and I think the students here would tell you that that would be one of the main reasons they came because they really wanted to become a good actor. The next reason is our professional partnerships with uh, the Repertory Theater of St. Louis, Opera Theater St. Louis, Shakespeare Festival St. Louis, the Muni, which is the oldest and largest outdoor summer stock house in the country, the Lyceum Theater, and my favorite project, which those are the posters you see on my wall behind me, but it's the Variety Theater, which is a project I started 14 years ago, working with kids and teens with every disability, doing full-scale musicals with people from the community, both actors' equity contacts, contracts, uh, non-union people, but then my students are involved with those productions as well. And that's my favorite thing because you go in thinking you're going to get this great credit, but then you come out realizing that it's not about you, that theater is a transformative art form. And they watch these kids who can't speak or walk, but they can sing and dance in a musical. So uh, that's number two. Number three is the faculty. Uh, there's no toxic energy in the faculty. It's one of my favorite things to talk about. We we really, really, truly respect each other's syllabus and um, we support each other's syllabus. Uh, we have a performance faculty meeting every week where we do a roll call and we talk about every class and we go alphabetical. We don't, we don't, um, we don't do every year, but like the third week of class, we do the seniors and the following juniors and then sophomores. And then we wait till just before fall break to do the, the freshmen because we got to get to know them better. Um, and we go alphabetical and we talk about their strengths and weaknesses. And everybody goes around the table, the acting, the text analysis. I bring the information in from the dance uh, world and the voice teachers to talk about uh, the students uh, in their work. Also song study class. Um, and everybody just in the directing, uh, head of directing talks about them if they're taking directing. So at any given time, we know what the trajectory of our student is. Um, even if I don't have them in class that particular semester, I know where they're at. So that means that uh, no one falls through the cracks. And it also means that you absolutely don't get away with anything when you're in conservatory. And then the final thing is musical theater majors are in the plays and the acting majors are cast in the musicals. Um, earlier, I mentioned American Idiot. And um, two of my six principals were acting majors and half of the singing and dancing ensemble were acting majors. So that's the that's the top four reasons that I talk to students about the conservatory. 
Well, I mean, those are four good reasons. And then also St. Louis is a pretty cool town. I mean, yeah. you live in a very cool town. Very cool town. Not, yeah. And that's part of the conversation, too. When I when I email them, I send links about St. Louis, which has 28 historical sites. And if you're into sports, it's the Blues and the Cardinals. Mm -hmm. And there's the art museum. And the, the zoo is the number one zoo in the country. It's free and it's amazing. And, you know, yeah, it's it's a it's a pretty cool city. And um, the Webster campus is very small, right? It takes you maybe 11 minutes on a good stride to get from one end to the other because it's tucked in Webster Groves, which is this little suburb, right? So I, I'm, I know I'm pointing and people listening can't see, but, uh, <laughs> you know, necessarily, but my kids are, the high school is over there where my kids go to high school. My wife teaches at an all-girls Catholic high school right over there, and mm. then we live a mile away. So... Yeah, uh, that's awesome. It is one awesome. of the thing, one of the things I was really excited to talk to you about um, is, I mean, you've been teaching for a while. You've been in the business for a little while. Um, you know, Kikau was asking about what you've seen shift. Yeah. You also have another interesting perspective in that you have a bona fide uh, Broadway personality who is an offspring of yours. It's currently doing the New York thing. I've noticed she too is starting to to teach some. Yeah. Of course, Elizabeth Teeter, who starred in Beetlejuice as well as yeah. you know some other things. Um, I'm curious if if watching her navigate the intricacies of the industry today has taught you anything about things that might be different from uh when when you were in those shoes and you know doing the audition circuit well that's that thing again thank you for for the shout out for my incredibly wonderful daughter and i say that not just because of her talent but mainly because of the human being she is she's she's such a fantastic human being and i know you're connected with her i think through instagram or tiktok right maddie yeah yeah so, tiktok she and i are buddies on tiktok yeah 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 so um some things have never changed, which is to show up, be the first there, the last one to leave, do your work, work hard. And, you know, Elizabeth was that way all, all growing up. Like all of our kids were, they would go to their room and come back. We never had to tell them to, we never had to tell Elizabeth, to, has, does she know her lines or have you worked on the thing? Cause she would, she would just vanish. Like I remember when she did uh, one of the kids in the sound of music, at the Muni uh, and just, you know, one of the kids, like not like Brigitte or something like that. And she, she would go upstairs for two hours and come back down and say, what have you been doing? She goes, well, I just wanted to read the script again. Cause I wanted to get to know my part, you know, and she's nine and it's like, who are you? So she always had that. And that was just, and I think, you know, yes, she heard her mom and I talking about teaching. I think all of our kids hear us talk about two things, family, you know and what what works and what doesn't work in our observations like and they can talk about it in kids that they go to school with or the things they see happen and where those things are falling apart but also just from a teacher's perspective we did um, when she was growing up we did um, two uh, sort of workshops for the community my wife and I did called beyond the performance uh, in the summer and then again over the winter holiday and Elizabeth would participate in, in those. And, um, you know, she, so, so anyway, so some things don't change, you know, do the work. The big thing that has changed 100% is the, 
is the social media presence and how necessary that is. I mean, we talked to our students about it. And again, Elizabeth, just during the pandemic, she became a beast about it, right? She just had a knack for it. And she also heard her mom and dad talk about how you how that can become a really great thing, but also how it can become not so good thing. And I think she kind of heard that because she's a master at it. I mean, she she and uh, Alex Brightman during Beetlejuice with all the bows and the backstage shenanigans where people never really saw how hard of a show that was because they were always just seeing them clown around backstage. And that was just out of survival because the show was so hard eight times a week. No one could possibly know that until they step into those shoes. So... Uh, yeah, I think that would be it. Just, uh, you know, interestingly enough, you know, I'll say this too, that, and this just was never a decision we made, but this is just kind of how it evolved is that throughout her career, you know, she was always kind of preparing her own stuff for the audition she had. Maybe early on, she would ask for some feedback, but for the most part, it was just her. And then the video submissions and stuff this has really been a conversation with her and her mother, interestingly enough. And I I am completely the dad. I'm not a musical theater teacher. I'm not an ex-Broadway performer. In fact, we made it clear from the beginning that that was not something that needed to go in her in her bio, that that this was her journey. And if it comes up in conversation, and it does, you know, sometimes she'll say, hey, I ran into somebody and they, they did a show with you 80 years ago. You know, it's like... Yeah, you know, um, but we made it a point that it was her journey. And that was actually lovely for me too, right? Just to be the dad and not to be necessarily the Broadway veteran, right? Just to be able to watch my child do the thing and understand on a very visceral level what that feels like. And the other thing I'll say about Elizabeth, when we do go to the shows together, that's when it really happens. Like we're... The conversations, again, back to that word, right? The conversations about what worked or what didn't work or whether it was a reading we went to or a sh several shows we've seen in New York. Her first Broadway show was The Anything Goes and Stephanie J. Block had taken over for Sutton Foster. So we got a picture backstage with her and Stephanie J. because She's a friend of mine, you know, and everything in between, you know, we to this day we laugh our butts off because we went to see Phantom of the Opera. We have an inside joke about that, but it was an incredible show. But we have that with each other, definitely, is that as audience members and as artisans. And yes, she's becoming quite a teacher. Again, she's just always had a knack. It's just nothing necessarily that I did or said. It's just she's always had the knack. What can I say? It's great to watch. It's in the blood. It's in the blood. That's the amazing. Blood. Yeah, <laughs> um, it must be so fun to just be in that audience to watch her perform when you did. Um, and I love, um, I love that in very many ways she is the the future of of Broadway performers of of teachers. Um, and I'm I'm wondering what you see as, um, you know, what's next? Like, it, do you or what are you excited about? And I'm this is a little separate from the recommendations. I'm just wondering in this point where you stand kind of in the center of connecting with the, the Tommy tune and the past and what's happening now, what do you see as, as the next? 
I love this question. I love all your questions. You know, I, I just happen to be very dear friends with Jerry Mitchell. By the way, I pick and choose when I when and if I text Jerry. Uh, I'm very careful about that. And he must be on his phone all the time because he always gets right back to me. But, you know, I saw the postings of Boop, which he's working on now in Chicago. Uh, and so I just said, you know, I'm just so excited to see this coming back to New York. And he's he's so, I mean... To say Jerry Mitchell is excited is a little redundant because he just he's just an electrical person. Um, and my my speaking of Elizabeth, we were talking about this. It's like we feel like New York needs that right now. We need we need those good time kind of create again, crazy for you, uh, you know, uh, shows that come in and just like entertain like um so, but at the same time, Kimberly Akimbo, perfect example of something that won the Tony Award. Who knew that just, you know, something that so touches the heartstone. So Elizabeth is very passionate, um, and, and as am I, about wanting to see original works like that come forward. It, you know, producing theater right now is not what it was when I was in New York, you know, and it wasn't not what it was 10 years ago you know, eight years ago, um, the titles, you know, movie musicals like Back to the Future. I'm really glad that's selling well. Butts in the seats, baby. L Lena Horne once said that to me, as long as there's butts in the seats. I guess her mom said that to her at one point. Um, yeah. So so um, and, you know, I, I went to see Anne Juliet and, you know, I thought, oh, look at the list of songs. And uh, and I fell in love with it. I just love the whole celebration of it, the way that it just explodes off the stage. Um, but at the same time, I was I was so curious and deeply moved by Strange Loop. I, I know I'm talking about all over the map. I, I just, and th this next year is, is going to be a big year for New York. There's a lot of shows coming in, right? Um, there's a couple of wonderful projects that, uh, I'm very excited about seeing um, that are coming from London, you know, the Sunset Boulevard. Um, the There's another project that Elizabeth had worked on off Broadway and that, that looks like it might be generating interest to come back to New York, which is interesting and exciting. Um, yeah, so I think that, I love this question, Kikau, because yeah, that's one of the first questions because I haven't worked with my freshmen yet, right? I haven't worked with them. So I'm really thinking a lot about that first day of class. And that's actually the question I want to ask my freshmen. It's like, what do you think's coming? What are you excited about? What do you hope by the time you graduate in three years? Where do you think, where do you think it's going to be? What are you, what are you motivated by? Are any of you writing? musicals you know um i think they said that these days that when kids go to college by the time they graduate 65 percent of the jobs are haven't even been created yet something like that you know and i feel like for for broadway it's the same thing too it's like i think about my students who graduated last spring and it's a different it's a different template even a year later than it was when they got there, right? So who would, who in their right mind wants to do this? 
And I'll tell you who it's, it's people who are driven to wake up and get better. Like, and just, there's a great book I have on my shelf called uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear. And it, you know, the atomic particle is the smallest particle that you can measure. And by the title, you see what he's talking about. It's like, if you can be 1% better at a thing today than you were yesterday. And he gives case studies like somebody who hates push-ups, but they did one push-up for a month. And then that went to two push-ups every day for a month. And you see the idea. So I feel like that that's a great thing to think about. It's like uh, as an artist, when my students graduate, I tell them they enter the Kikau Conservatory, the Maddie Conservatory, the, the Lara Conservatory. You don't have... You don't have the luxury now of having those class schedules. You got to have that money and get your steps card, you know, and, and Elizabeth just hated to do it, but she has a 10, 10 click steps card. You know, it's just, she knows that she's got to, she hates to spend her money, but she knows that's investing in her next thing. Right. So. Did or I you got to learn, or you got to learn how to clean toilets. I remember when okay I was there, <laughs> I was there, I would get the, you know, you get a discounted card if you work at the front desk or clean That's the toilets. It. Clean the yep. toilets. And, <laughs> you know, and those are the things that still haven't changed from when I was there 40 some years ago. You know, I had friends of mine. In fact, when Steps was just starting, Patrice Serrero was the original owner. She, I took class from her all the time. This was when it was at 56th Street before they became Steps, you know. And that was the deal. There were friends of mine who were working at Steps or working at Findus Young or working, you know, um, just to, to, to take class, you know? So those things I, I think will stay the same. Yeah. Lara, I'm curious. I, I used to ask this question to everybody and, and now I just save it for my special guests. I, I, <laughs> I, uh, you know, there are so many musical theater programs now you were talking about like when MTEA ah. started and they were like, Eight and now wow. there's like thousands and and you wow. talked a little bit about what makes Webster unique and in, in that acting focus and acting centered curriculum. I'm curious what it what makes you unique. Like what's something that you do <laughs> that you think is unique to you? Like you know and 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 I ask this question so we can steal it, of course, right? But like what <laughs> what you know what are like some tips and tricks that uh, that you think are, are unique to you? Humor. Um, just really, uh, a, a really obvious passion. Uh, I'm extremely positive, you know, and it's, it's not fake. It's just, it's just, I don't know. It's like, we were talking about Elizabeth earlier and she's just born with stuff. Right. And so. I felt like I was just born with this thing that when I walk into the room, I really want to, I want to meet people. I want, I want them to feel safe. I, I, I want to have conversations. Um, I, and, and I'm really an ambivert cause I love my alone time. Um, uh, but I, I will enjoy, I was at the car dealership all day yesterday as our car was getting fixed. And I just, since I'm not teaching, I just waited. 
And I had the best conversation with just, and, and actually I sat there and I was on my phone and I thought, you know, I could just sit here, but I'm missing an opportunity to just say something to somebody. So I will, because that's what I want for my kids and that's what I want my students to do, right? So I'll catch myself in those moments and kind of try to practice what I preach a little bit. And, um, you know, above all else, just be kind. I mean, I know the two of you are that way, and I know that you lead with that as well, uh, because there are so many talented people out there. And if there's a reason not to hire you, they will, it will be uh, obvious. So you just have to be so, so easy and kind and low maintenance, like, you know, um, I guess that's what I would say is there, I feel like there's one other thing. Um, I do feel like, and this is part of my Emma before I even danced, because I didn't start dancing until I was 18, but I'm just, I'm physical, right? I'm a physical presence in the room, which when I become really still, that also has a big impact right? So I think I've learned the difference between all out physical and complete physical stillness somewhere in there. I utilize those tools as a teacher as well. Um, yeah. Amazing. So you had mentioned that um, you were on your creative leave this last yeah. semester. Um, yeah. What are some things that you can take away from, from being able to pull over uh, for a bit off the road? And then after this, we're going to ask you what your recommendations are. Well, so. and this is a so one of my recommendations. I have a few. Can I have a few? <laughs> yeah, please. Okay. Well, this was at the top of my list, and I just really dove into it a lot over my. I was I was explaining to uh, both of you before we started recording that I I had the most phenomenal sabbatical, um, you know, which is where for those you don't know what that is basically when we have sabbatical we still get paid but we are paid to develop right we're we can take time away from the class to to do a project sometimes people write i started writing a book with my wife um but most of it here is to just really regenerate and so i really got deep into my meditation and um the first thing in the morning and the last thing at night and uh, it's something that I've talked about and I've read lots about the values of meditation. It's scientific, scientifically proven, you know, and I realized that I was really talking a lot about it, but I wasn't necessarily practicing on a regular basis. So the discipline of that is something that I'm going to recommend to everybody and you know, I, I do 20 minutes, uh, anywhere between 20, 25 minutes, morning, 25 sitting. And basically it's just sitting. And there are all kinds of meditations for those listening. Um, and I, I do very varying degrees of different meditations. Sometimes I'm meditating on a mantra, um, but mostly I just count my breathing and I stay present with my breath, which again, I'm very connected to yoga, the Ashtanga yoga, which is very physical yoga, but also just to, to sit with breathing, uh, being completely still uh, is something that I would recommend. So I did a lot of that. Uh, I am a Beatles fanaticus, 
the fanatic. So I read the Beatles anthology. And right now, another recommendation is uh, Paul McCartney's new books called new book called The Lyrics, which he wrote with Paul Muldoon. And it is 150 of his songs and he it's alphabetical. So it's all the A's, B's. He's chosen 150 of them. Many of them are songs I had not heard of before. But just to 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 see how his creativity juices are and where he gets inspiration from from certain things or something someone says as a songwriter. Um, also, yeah, um, I read a book. So this is segueing into recommendations. <laughs> is that okay? <laughs> Yeah, I, I read a book that I I just want to really uh, suggest to everybody called Shark Heart by Emily Habeck. It's uh, I won't say anything more about it, but it's a love story and it's a coming of age story and it's uh, it's so so creative and the writing, the pictures she paints are amazing. Um. Uh, yeah, and, and I, I, um, I listen to a lot of Beatles. <laughs> um, let's see the other. So, yeah, I guess. Hold on, Sharkheart. Is it is it a fiction? Is it nonfiction? What, it's what? fiction. Okay, okay, okay. It's fiction. Um, so I had for my uh, recommendations, I have something that I want to recommend that people do something that I want to recommend that people practice, uh, something that uh, I recommend to listen to, which I've told about Kimberly Akimbo, really listen to that. Uh, and I've already mentioned to, to read Shark Heart, The Lyrics by Paul McCartney, Atomic Habits by James Clear. Um, but to do is to work out. And when I say work out, I'm not talking necessarily to those of you don't, don't feel like I mean, like you have to go uh, lift. Although the studies are out, it's very clear that lifting and cross training is really, really good for you. And more and more, I think all of you, if you follow any dancers on Instagram or TikTok, you'll see that they're half the time they're in the gym recovering from an injury and they're doing particular workouts and cross training, weightlifting. Uh, so uh, I've been I've been doing that as well. And that that has uh, between that and the meditation, I really feel like I'm taking care of myself. Oh, what a great feeling that is. Um, because then I can take care of my family. I feel like I can, then I can take care of my my wife and then I can take care of my uh, children and then my students and my colleagues. Um, and then the practice is practice meditation and, and practice kindness. And it's interesting that word practice, right? Because it's different than do, right? Um, practice means a daily practice. And when you think of kindness, I don't think that necessarily we think about practicing it. But I, I gave the example of being at the car dealership uh, yesterday. And I, in a way, that's what I was doing. I was reaching out to um, people that... Uh, that I would just being kind. And this gentleman and I got into a great conversation about how things have changed and about how he shook my hand. And I, I, I then mentioned it was a great handshake. And I said, do you do, do, do something with your, your hands? He goes, no, well, I was a teacher. He's a retired teacher. He was a gym teacher, you know? And then we started talking about that and about being a teacher. 
So um, talk to people, be kind, and work out and meditate. Those are my recommendations. <laughs> you really, uh, Lara, I got to tell you, so um, you the kindness thing, you're, that's not just something you say. That's something you are. I, I When I think of you, I my, it was my first year of teaching up here at Chico State when I went to an MT, my first MTA conference, and you were the yeah. president at the time. We were down in San Diego. And uh, I introduced myself to you because I just worked with one of your students at the Summerstock, uh, Bailey. I don't know if you remember this, but yeah, Bailey uh, Reeves. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, hey, yeah, no, I worked with <laughs> Bailey. And you sat and you talked to me for ten minutes, and you were so kind. And 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 here I am, this first year teacher, and I'm thinking, wow, this is the president of MTEA, and this is you know a Tony nominee, and this this legendary teacher, and he's he's here and he's totally present with me, and that that was like a like a powerful influential moment uh, for me, you know, of course, six years later, I was then the president of, of MTA and I tried to be the same way with people. Well, and I, I'm going to say it takes one to know one because I remember that moment and you were, you were giving back what I was dishing out. Of course, we were watching Kikau be a grad student and making all kinds of presentations, right? Oh yeah. That was awesome. This world, so small, this world. Very tiny. Very tiny. You for that remembrance. That's very kind, Manny. It's very kind. We really appreciate you um, on the podcast. And um, yeah, we wish you the best of luck. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and if anybody listening wants to reach out, I do answer my emails. And it's larateter06 at webster.edu. Again, larateter06 at webster.edu. Shoot me an email. Say that you heard the podcast. And uh, if you have any questions about Webster, then let me know. And enjoy Amazing. being back in the classroom after your. Oh, sabbatical. I'm really excited! Just yeah. before this meeting, I had a uh, I teach uh, the third year song and dance class with a director. I'm the choreographer and then a musical director, and we have all kinds of great stuff planned. So, very excited about it. Get ready, kids! Here it comes. Get ready. Get ready. <laughs> Music for carefully taught was provided by Joshua Haig. For more information, visit joshuahaigmusic.com.